0: All right, everyone. I hope you're comfortable because this episode is going to be a goodie. Today on the show, Melissa Ambrosini is joining us. She is the best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. She's also the host of the number one podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show, which is one of the only podcasts that I'm pretty dedicated to listening to, other than Caitlin Bristow's. She is a speaker, and Elle Magazine named her a self-help guru. Today on the show, we're going to dive into tools to help you ditch self-doubt. And we're also going to chat about relationships, the one you have with yourself and the ones you're building around you. Melissa, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited.
0: I'm going to be totally honest with you. It's 8.30 p.m. where I am, and I am sitting in my pajamas in bed with a big tea and so excited to dive into this conversation with you. Oh, yay! (laughs) Also, Also pinching myself that I have a job where I can be recording from bed in my pajamas while my two kids are sleeping.
1: (laughs) I know. It's pretty cool, (laughs) isn't it? It's very
0: amazing. So I want to just dive right in and get to the basics of who you are as an individual and how you came to be this divine, calm, sexy, powerful, beautiful woman that you are.
1: Ah, That's so funny. Why is it funny? (laughs) (laughs) Because you said calm and I just laughed because I'm not always calm. Yeah, I don't always just walk around in this calm state. So that's why I had a little giggle because I think that's very sweet. But who am I? That is a really interesting question and one that I find very hard to define in words. I am this spiritual being that was named Melissa and I'm having this human experience in this earth suit and I'm doing my best to have a really good time in the process. We don't know how long we're here on planet earth for and for me, this life is so precious and sacred and I'm just doing my very best to live it to my fullest as the best version of myself, to be kind to other people and myself and to have a really good time in the process. So, and how I became more into my full self was through a rock bottom experience that I had in 2010. And before 2010, I was living a very different life to the life that I live now. This very mindful, conscious, present life that I have now was not how I have always lived. I lived a very unconscious life, a different life where my measure of success was on what I looked like, the handbag I had, the boyfriend I had, the jobs I had, the money I had. And so It took me hitting rock bottom in 2010 for me to really step into more of my true self, which is who I am today. And I feel like every moment I'm uncovering more of who I truly am and stepping more into that. And it's a beautiful journey and a beautiful process and uncovering, like a peeling back of the onion layers, so to speak. And it's it's a journey and it's one that's really fun to be on at times. And then sometimes it's quite challenging, but you know, like I said, we only get this one precious life. And so my intention is to just make the absolute most of it. I love that you (laughs) opened up this interview by just
0: being real and raw and honest and saying, Hey, (laughs) that's a lot of titles you just gave me. And, you know, I fit some of them sometimes, but I'm not always calm. I'm not always X Y and Z and I am also figuring this out. And I love that you said that because I think so often coaches end up wearing this hat of perfection almost. Like you have to have it all figured out because you're teaching other people. And I just don't think that's the truth or or real. So, I love that you spoke to that.
1: Yeah. Let me burst a little bubble. For you. (laughs) No one has it. (laughs) All perfect. And I encourage everybody listening to delete that word perfect from your vocabulary because when we use that word, it forces us to fit into a mold and forces us to compare ourselves to somebody else. And so there's no one out there that has it all perfect and it's all rainbows and butterflies. We're all on this journey together and that's, that's what life is about. And we all feel the full spectrum of emotions and feelings and that's what being human in this earth suit is all about.
0: Absolutely. Do you find that the more work that you do on yourself – life gets easier? Or is it like you're peeling back this layers of an onion and it just never ends?
1: (laughs) You're like, when can I be done this work? (laughs) You know what? Yes, it gets easier. And yes, it's like, sometimes you just think, oh my goodness, have I made any progress? But yes, it definitely does get easier. The more inner work that you do, the more you flex your self awareness muscles, the more you sit in stillness and you meditate and you go inward and you heal and you evolve and you grow, the easier life becomes. But because you are so aware, it's like you then can't hide. They say ignorance is bliss. And I'm like, yeah, it is, you know. But when you know all of this stuff, you can't hide. And so when you are faced with a challenge or a roadblock or whatever you want to call it, because you have this level of awareness, you can't run and hide. You can't unknow what you now know. And so you have to face it and you have to deal with it and you have to move through it. And the more work you do, the quicker you have to do that, I feel anyway. That's what I have found for myself. I know too much now that I can't sit in suffering like I used to. I know that everything is happening for my highest good. I know that the universe has my back and it's always unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to. So when I am faced with a roadblock, I know too much. I can't sit in suffering and go, poor me, woe is me. I have to feel it and then move through it with as much grace as i possibly can
0: and i think that's just it it's it's learning how to move through the different emotions and challenges that we're faced with and recognizing that when we come out the other side even if in those moments we feel a little torn up and broken we come out the other side stronger and more self-aware and i don't want to say further along but in a different place than we were before and that i usually find is a very beautiful experience. I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey to self-love and the path that you took before writing Mastering Your Mean Girl, because this is something that so many of the people listening, I would say every single person who is part of our raw community is struggling with on some level, and that is mastering their inner mean girl or navigating negative self-talk or your inner saboteur, whatever you want to call it. So can you tell us a little bit about your own self-love journey?
1: Yeah. You know, we're born into this world overflowing with self-love. Like little babies, I mean, you'll know, you have two children. Your babies didn't come out hating their thighs and loathing their eyes and their hair and their belly, they came out these full, overflowing with love bundles of joy, right? Mm -hmm. And then what happens is we go through our life and things happen to us and we make them mean something and we create a story around that which we then carry through with us to adulthood. A lot of those stories are not serving us. A lot of those stories are negative, limiting, fear-based stories, whether it's around our relationships or money or what we look like. We create these stories and we make them mean something and then we carry them through life with us. It's like this backpack full of bricks that we then carry through life that we're holding on to. And so we have to remind ourselves that our true nature is someone that is overflowing with love within themselves, for themselves, for others, for all things. And that is our true nature. And whenever we are not in alignment with that, we are not living as our true self. And so that has really helped me whenever I have looked in the mirror and said horrible things to myself. I've allowed my mean girl to say horrible things to me. I've reminded myself that that is not my true nature. That is just my mean girl. And I take myself through my Mastering Your Mean Girl three-step process, which I talk about in the book. And that is a daily practice. and. The more you strengthen that inner self-love, the more you cultivate these beautiful kind practices to yourself, the stronger they get. It's like any muscle. You go to the gym, you do squats, you're going to get a tight booty, right? And the more you flex this self-love muscle, the stronger it is going to get. And it's a daily practice, the daily commitment to ourselves to be kind, to be loving, and it's one that we're all still on.
0: I absolutely agree, it is such a practice and these deep rooted beliefs that we carry within us create this filter <laughs> that we start to see the world through. So we are just constantly you know, digging ourselves deeper into these patterns that we've created. So it, it takes time and it takes practice and patience to shift and alter those beliefs that we feel about ourselves. dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, without giving away too much of your book, I'm not wanting you to read the whole thing to us. Can you give us like a little um, touch on those three steps that you mentioned, just like a high level version of it?
1: Yes, of course. Okay. So the first thing is, is everybody has that fear-based, egoic, mean voice inside their head. And, And I call it your inner mean girl. You can call it whatever you want, your ego, your shadow self, whatever you want to call it. And women have between 60 and 80,000 thoughts a day. So that's potentially 60 to 80,000 negative, fear based, limiting, mean girl thoughts. That's a lot of you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you'll never get out of debt, you'll never meet the guy, who do you think you are, you can't write a book. That's a lot, right? And so we have to reprogram, we have to learn how to master our mind so that we can come back to our truth which is love and how you do that is with these three steps. It's very simple but doesn't mean it's always going to feel easy and the first step is awareness. You have to become aware of what is going on, what she is saying to you. Awareness is key to any transformation, any internal transformation okay and so the first step is awareness. Become aware of what it is that she is saying. I like to write it down or I say it out loud. I might say it to my husband. I might say, my mean girl is telling me that I can't write this book or my mean girl is telling me that I'm not smart enough to write this book. And that's the first step. You've shone light on something that's dark. It's no longer dark. The second step is we gently close the door on that thought. So what most people do, myself included in the past, I have done this, is you open the door to that thought, you let your main girl come in, you let her live with you, you let her use your clothes and your toothbrush and she eats all your food and she's now living with you, right? And so instead of that, when she comes knocking on your door to plant those limiting fear-based beliefs, you say, thank you, but no, thank you, I'm not interested today visualize it like an annoying salesperson who comes knocking on your door to sell you something that you're not interested in. You'd say, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm not interested. You don't slam the door in her face. It's not about killing, smashing, or, you know, annihilating the ego. It's simply about saying, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm not interested in your limiting fear-based negative beliefs today. Thanks. Bye-bye. And so that's the second step. We gently close the door. And the third step is we choose love instead. And so we come back into our heart and we say, hang on a second. Is that actually true that I can't write a book? Is that actually true? No, that's actually not true. And I come back into my heart and I have a message to share. I'm a very capable writer and that is just my mean girl that was telling me that, but I can do this. And so that's the three-step process. It's a little internal chat that you have with yourself you become aware. That's the first step. Second step, gently close the door. And the third step is you choose love instead. And because like I mentioned before, we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. You may be doing that 60 to 80,000 times a day. And the next day it might be 50,000. And the next day it might be 40 and then 30 and then 20. And then you'll get to a point where you might only have like one pop-up a day or maybe like one a week. And then you're like high-fiving yourself and you know that you've made progress and you're like, awesome, this is great. And that's the place we ultimately want to get to where we're out of our head. We're not living in our head. We're living in our heart space. We're being so present that we're in the moment. We're enjoying the moment. That's the ultimate goal, right? It's only when you go up into your head that you're screwed.
0: That is such a beautiful tool that you've just given everyone. So thank you so much for that. Were you nervous before you wrote your books?
1: I wasn't nervous before I wrote them, but the week before they came out, I had serious vulnerability hangovers for sure. I couldn't sleep. I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would roll over to my husband because I poured my heart and soul into these books. I've shared very intimate stories, very personal stories. And I would roll, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I'd roll over to my husband and I'd wake him up and I'm like, baby, is it too late to take that story out? And he's like, (laughs) yes, honey, they're gone to print. Like the books have been printed. Yes, it's too late. And I'm like, really? Should I have shared that story? And he's like, honey, it's just your main goal. You're just having a vulnerability hangover. It's okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I definitely felt nervous. Not nervous. I've definitely had that vulnerability hangover like a week before they come out for sure.
0: Yeah. I think it's so important for people to know that it's really rare. I mean, with a lot of the top performing people in the world that they never have the vulnerability hangover or that fear never comes up, but they've just learned to move through it or to acknowledge it for what it is, which is exactly what you had to do. So I think sometimes there's this misperception that people are just confident and they write the book and it goes out and that's just what they do. But there is Usually from the conversations I've had with people, still vulnerable feelings, still moments where you're wondering, what the hell am I doing that you just have to move through? And then do you find as you move through this, because you've done a lot of amazing big things that that mean girl voice quiets down after you've just done it?
1: Yes, absolutely. So it's almost like the only way that you will grow is by mastering her. And then you grow a little bit and then the next time she pops up, you master her again and you grow a little bit again and you keep growing and keep growing. It's definitely a process and a journey. Now,
0: you mentioned your husband, Nick, who you are very open with. You run a business or two businesses or four businesses with him. (laughs) You have a Mm -hmm. lot of things going on. And you share a lot about your relationship in this beautiful book, Open Wide, which I want to dig into because I feel like people are more connected now than ever before with social media. But research is showing that we feel less connected And more lonely than ever before. So, I want to dig into how we work to create deep, healthy relationships that we're craving. And I feel like you're the person we need to talk to about this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel there is a shift. You know, everyone has been so focused on building online communities with social media and things like that, that we have neglected our in person relationships. And the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. I always say, and I talk about this in Open Wide, You know, a lot of people think the grass is greener over there. Well, I've, this relationship isn't working and the grass is greener over there, so I'm going to go over there. And that is the biggest load of BS. The grass is greener where you water it. And the more water and love and attention and sunlight and soil that you give the more it's going to grow and nourish and thrive, right? And so if I want thriving relationships that are deep and rich, then I have to invest into them. I have to water them. I have to love them. I have to nourish them. I have to give them the right amount of sunlight. I have to nurture the soil. No one's going to do that for me. I have to do that. And when we're talking about our Intimate relationships. So, like my, you know, all of our relationships are the same. This applies to all of our relationships. But, you know, my relationship with my husband, the reason why we thrive is because we water it. We water it daily, every day, because we are aware, because we know, because we're conscious of the fact that if it doesn't get watered, guess what's going to happen? It'll die. You know, if you don't water a plant, it will die. And we don't want our relationship to die. So we are consciously watering it every single day. And we've become so obsessed with our phones. Like technology is amazing, but we have become so obsessed with our social media and our phones that we are not obsessed with our relationships and the reason why mine and my husband's relationship is one of the reasons why it's thriving is because I'm not obsessed with my phone. I'm obsessed with him. I adore him and we make that time, we water our relationship every day. It's such a big priority and another key to you know thriving relationships not just with your lover but with your family and your friends is respect. Respect is so huge because if you respect your beloved, you will show up very differently. And, you know, my mother and father-in-law have been married for like 40, maybe 48 years. I can't remember the exact number. It's in the 40s somewhere, right? I ask all long-term relationships this and relationships that I admire. I always ask them when if I just meet someone for the first time and they're they tell me that they've been married for 45 years and or they they're, you know, been married for 45 years and they're all over their partner. I go, "What is the key to your marriage? What is the key to your relationship?" I ask people this all the time. And there's a common theme and it was respect. And Nick's mom said to me, "Respect. I respect Nick's dad so much." And that just hit me like a bullet in my heart and from that moment on, that is one of mine and Nick's core values and it has changed our relationship because no matter what, if you have respect for somebody else, then you are going to show up very differently as opposed to if you do not respect them. And so that is a key to thriving relationships, respect. And then I wanted to give you one more tip that I talk about in open wide, which is another tip to thriving relationships is practicing what I call CCC, crystal clear communication. Not many of us practice this, but coming up with this technique and practicing it in my own relationships has been paramount to my thriving relationships. It's so simple. And it's just speaking from your heart openly and honestly and communicating clearly from your heart space. And when you do that, you can't go wrong. So there's some of my tips on how to really thrive in your relationships.
0: Okay, all of those are so good, but now I have like 100 more questions to ask you.
1: <laughs> so let's just start. Okay,
0: one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about over the years is how media changes our perception or influences our perception of what an intimate or even a friend relationship should be. And so I feel like when we watch these movies with these insane romantic endings and, you know, movies like. 2 hours long. Sometimes it gives us false perception of the work that it takes to put into a relationship. And I don't mean work like, you know, sticking with somebody who's abusive or anything, but Scott and I have an amazing marriage. Our communication is really great, but we have to talk and we have to have vulnerable conversations and sometimes we butt heads about things and Sometimes he wants to talk finances and pull out the spreadsheet. And I'm like, can't I just do a Pinterest vision board right now? (laughs) You know, like these relationships also challenge us and really help us grow. Do you think that media can give us a false ideal of what a relationship is and what it looks like?
1: Totally. I do. And. You know, I love those romantic comedies. Like I have one genre of film that I watch and it's romantic. Oh, no, I kind of watch two. I watch comedies and romantic comedies. That is it. I do not watch anything else. (laughs) I don't do sci-fi. I don't do action. I don't do horror. I don't do anything else. It's just not my jam. Like I am all about raising the vibes and those movies do not raise my vibes, those scary – no, I'm just not interested. So if I'm going to watch a movie, it is going to be something that makes me laugh my pants off.
0: Yes, yes.
1: In saying that, some of those movies and the media may portray things to be all rosy and easy. But like I said before, a relationship takes time, energy, love, attention, nurturing it takes those things. It's not just about it all being rainbows and butterflies. I think some movies can maybe make it look like it's that. It's all rainbows and butterflies and the Prince Charming will come in and just sweep you off your feet. And yeah, I feel like they can sometimes make it look like there is no work involved and that is not the case. In all relationships, there is energy involved.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And it's not just movies, it's social media as well. We get these little clips of, you know, couples in, obviously couples aren't sharing those harder moments. They're not like, sharing themselves, signing the divorce papers. like We don't see that part of relationships and the work that goes behind it. So I think it's so important to talk about what real relationships look like. And that's going to be different for everyone and every single couple. I love some of the things that you said around this idea of CCC, crystal clear communication. So can you give us some example or an example of how you and Nick apply that to your relationship? or what that would look like?
1: So sometimes we even say, hey baby, I need to practice crystal clear communication with you right now. And I'm feeling a little bit upset at the way that you said this, and I know you didn't mean it, but I've made it mean this, and it's really upset me and I'm feeling a bit sensitive about it you know, something along those lines. And he says it to me too. So sometimes we start the conversation with that. And then sometimes we start the conversation with, okay, so right then I just didn't practice crystal clear communication. And what I wanted to say and what I meant to say was this. And so that happens a lot too. Like sometimes I'll just like, blah, spit something out. And then I'll say, oh, okay, rewind. I'm like, I didn't practice crystal clear communication there, honey. What I meant to say or what I wanted to say was this. And he's like, okay, cool. That's how we talk in our house. I have a 13-year-old stepson and we will say to him, like, use your voice, practice crystal clear communication. We use that with him as well. And I think it's so important. And sometimes I say it to my girlfriends. I'll say, I need to practice crystal clear communication here with you. And I need to let you know that, you know, when you said that, it actually hurt my feelings and I know you didn't mean it or whatever the situation is. Mm. You can't go wrong if you practice crystal clear communication because what it is at its essence is speaking from your heart. And no one can tell you that your heart is wrong because your heart is your heart.
0: The trick is just giving yourself that time and space if necessary. To speak from your heart versus from that like angry, frustrated, <laughs> pissed off voice that can then trigger your partner. That's sometimes the challenge for people. So I love what you said is that sometimes you might say the wrong thing and then it's hitting rewind and acknowledging, okay, I didn't practice what crystal clear communication and I'd like to try that again. Here's what I actually meant. Do you and Nick ever just like get at it and just argue and like completely throw CCC out the door?
1: (laughs) Let me answer that in a second. But I just want to say there is no saying the wrong thing as well. Like there is no right and wrong. And there is no saying, oops, I said the wrong thing because it's all progress. You know, there is no right and wrong. So like if I go to say something, I don't say, sorry, I said the wrong thing. I just say to him. Okay, I didn't practice crystal clear communication there. And what I wanted to say, truly wanted to say, was this. I'm just trying to think of an example. I'm trying to think of a recent example, if there is a recent example of when we have just completely let that out, go out of the window. And I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there are times where I'm like, you're annoying me so much right now. (laughs) Yes, there are those times, of course. Like him, not so much. Like he might say to me, I'm getting angry right now. So I just need to like walk away for a minute or I'm getting frustrated. And so I need to walk away. Like, you know, where Quite good at doing that. We never want to suppress our emotions. Like, I don't want him to suppress his anger or suppress frustration. Like, I'm like, yeah, go feel it. You know, like, I want him to feel it. And I want to feel it too. And I've had to, at the start of our relationship, like, he would try and maybe say something, you know, don't, you know, you don't have to feel that. And I'm like, no, no, I want to feel these things. Like, I want to feel them because I don't want to suppress them in my body. So, you know, I'll like sometimes be like, Oh, I just, I need to like, let this anger out or this frustration out. And I might just like, or like, (laughs) you know, just get it out somehow. Like I might just like jump on the spot or something. But because we have that respect, like it's more just like, Oh, you're annoying me, but it's not him annoying me. It's me annoying myself. You know, like it's never about the other person. It's always about ourselves. And you know, what I'm getting frustrated or annoyed or angry about is truly to do with me and not to do with him. It's to do with the triggers that are being triggered within me and it's not got to do with him. So I think it's really important to sit with your partner and, you know, work out your core values. And when it comes back to respect, then you are a lot less likely to speak to each other poorly. While I absolutely hate
0: saying goodbye to summer, I have to admit I'm pretty excited about the cozy fall days ahead, wrapped up in a big sweater with warm tea by my side at all times. Who's with me? I know some of you out there are feeling the same way. Well, one of my greatest obsessions in life is David's tea because of their selection of over 100 loose leaf teas, including so many exclusive blends like carrot cupcake, s'more chai, and pumpkin chai. I'm also getting my daily dose of vitamin C every morning with their blend Sunny C, which is bursting with freshly squeezed orange. This fresh, bright tea will leave you feeling like summer never left. As we head into the cooler months, I'm stocking up and I'm so excited because for a limited time, David's tea is offering you 20% off everything in store and at davidstea.com. When you use the code rawbeauty 20, there could not be a more beautiful gift to give someone including your sweet self. So head on over to David's tea and use the code rawbeauty 20 to get your discount. All right, let's get back to the show. Now you have a pretty dedicated meditation practice from what I understand. How does meditation help support you in your relationships and in managing things like those triggers and in cultivating love and respect and adoration for your partner?
1: Meditation helps everything. Meditation doesn't just help your relationships. It helps everything because it's like it's the inner work you know, we take a shower to clean out outside. Meditation is like an internal shower. It cleans the inside. And so the more that you meditate, the more that you sit with your emotions, the cleaner that you're going to be and the more you're going to show up as your best self. And so it's so important, you know, that Nick is doing his own work and I'm doing my own work. There have been times where he has let his meditation slip and I noticed him getting more frustrated at just little things that wouldn't normally frustrate him. And so I sat him down and we had a little love bubble, which is where we can talk openly and honestly to each other. And I practiced crystal clear communication and I said, hey, I've noticed that you're getting like angry and frustrated over like little things. I feel like maybe you should get back into your meditation practice. And he was like, yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, then there's been times where he has dropped it and he's been surfing a lot more over the summer. He was surfing for three hours and he's like, surfing is my meditation. And I was like, hmm, I'm not sure about that.
0: God always says, golf is my meditation, yeah. running is my meditation, <laughs> biking is my meditation. Yeah, and I
1: was like, mm, <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same. And I get it, and I explain to him, okay, I understand, but it's gonna be an on top of the meditation practice you're already doing. It's you know, surfing is on top of that. And I can tell when he's not meditating. I can tell. It's very clear to me when he's not. Maybe not like if he misses like one, two or three days, it's fine. It's like more when it's been this consistent stint, I can tell because he's just that deep sense of inner peace and calm is kind of a little bit scratchy. And so I just simply as his partner, it's my role to remind him, you know, there have been times where he's like, no, I'm fine he's then come around like two days later this is what I've realized with men they have to come up with the solution themselves and so he'll come up and he'll be like I think I'm going to get back into my meditation routine and I was like oh my gosh I just said that like two days ago (laughs) now what I do is I don't say I think you should get back into your meditation routine because he's just going to be like no and be defensive you know I remind him I'm like hey remember how great you felt When you were like meditating twice a day, he'll be like, oh, yeah, like that was really beautiful. And I'll just say something like that. And then like two days later, he'll be like, I'm going to get back into it. And I'm like, awesome. That's so cool.
0: Yes. I mean, sometimes we've got to do this. I know that there's women who are listening right now who are thinking, I would love it if my husband would meditate, but there's no way he's going to do that. Or if I brought up with my husband, Crystal, clear communication, he would laugh or you know that he's not going to meet me halfway
1: what would you say to those individuals okay so firstly you cannot change anyone you cannot make anyone do anything you can't make them meditate you can't make them drink green smoothies you can't make them exercise you can't make them do anything children included All we can do to inspire somebody else is to just be the example. That's all we can do is be the example and then let go of the attachment of wanting them to change. That's it. It'll feel like you are banging your head against a brick wall if you hold on to them meditating, to them getting it because. It's not your responsibility and it's not your journey. Your responsibility is to just be the example and to be the light. In saying that, if this is your partner, you can sit them down and have a beautiful, open, and honest conversation with them where you say to them, Hey, I heard about this thing called CCC, crystal clear communication. And it's basically where you sit and you just speak from your heart. Like you talk openly and honestly and authentically and you just get off anything that you want to express from your chest from that place of love. You know, it's no blaming or judging or anything like that or pointing the finger. It's just about expressing from your heart and it would mean a lot to me to give this a try. Would you be open to it? And your partner is either going to say, yeah, okay, that like sounds all right. Like, yeah, let's give it a go. Or they might say no, that sounds ridiculous. And then if they say, no, that sounds ridiculous, then I would really question if you want to be with that person. And then, you know, in terms of meditation, you start meditating yourself. You start meditating twice a day yourself and don't say anything. After maybe a month or six months or maybe a couple of years, they will see the transformation that you have gone through and the inner peace and the calm that you are just radiating, that it will be so hard for them to ignore, so hard for them to not want to participate. But we can't have that attachment that they're going to. We just simply must be the example. And same, that goes with eating healthily and moving our bodies and all of those things. We just have to be the example and then not say anything. And then if they get inspired and want to jump on board, then cool. If they don't, then cool as well. Like it's their journey and we have to let go of that attachment and the control and all we can do is be the example. Like for example, like I just had my brother staying with me for the last week and a half. And this is someone who I love and adore so much. I'm obsessed with him. I love him so much. I'm just one of his biggest fans. I think he's the coolest person ever. And it was hard for me to let go of the control of there's things that he eats that I don't eat and I don't think are very healthy for you. But that's my opinion there was like a few days where I'm like, why are you eating that? You know, don't eat that. Like you're an athlete. You need to look after your body and nourish your (laughs) temple. And then he just looked at me and he's like, Mel, you have got to stop. I'm going to eat this. I'm enjoying this. You're actually ruining it for me because I was really enjoying it. And you just ruined it for me. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then I just sat with it and I was like, all I can do is be the example. So I would cook all of my own meals and, you know, I would cook for him too. And then he would add these things that I don't eat. And (laughs) I just was like, I have to let go of control. Like I have to let go and surrender. And all I can do is be the example. And then, you know, a few days in, he's like asking me questions. He's like, oh, so well, why do you eat that? And what does that do? And all these things. And I'm just like, wow. So it does sink in but it doesn't sink in until we let go of control around it.
0: Mm, I love it. In your book, you say expectations kill relationships. And it's so true. It just creates this constriction and uh, so much tension, I feel, but it is hard to let go. So if everyone listening right now can just consider maybe for a moment, where is a relationship that you are carrying expectation. And can you release that? Can you let it go? And then just feel in your body for a second, how that changes things for you, how that feels to just let go for a minute. I want to talk quickly about another part of your book that I absolutely loved, which was this chapter on balancing the masculine and feminine energy. And I found this fascinating and so interesting. Can you explain to listeners a little bit about the balance of masculine and feminine energy?
1: Okay, so we all have both masculine and feminine energy within us, right? So me as a female, I have masculine and I have feminine. And my husband, he has masculine and he has feminine. And ideally, we like them to be balanced, like the perfect yin and yang symbol, right? If they're out of balance, that causes an imbalance within ourselves. And so we have to become so aware within ourselves when we're out of balance. I know when I'm out of balance, when I'm too in my masculine and when I'm too in my feminine, and I know what I need to do to come back into the middle. If you are really in your masculine and your husband is really in their masculine, then you're going to butt heads. And same, if you're really in your feminine and your husband is really in his feminine, you're going to butt heads. And so there needs to be this little sacred dance within yourself. And then that will play out in your relationship. So for example, like when I'm in my masculine, when I'm, I, when I'm in m- money meetings, business meetings, money meetings, looking at profit and loss and going over the financials for the month and that sort of thing, like it requires me to be more in my masculine energy. And then when I am cooking, when I'm in the kitchen, that requires me more to be in my feminine energy. And so throughout my day, I'm dancing between the two. I am going in and out of each. It's a beautiful sacred dance and it's a beautiful balance. And it's something that we can all play with and have fun with. And I know that when I'm balanced within myself, like my relationship just flows so much more effortlessly and easily.
0: Mm, I love that. If you find that you are more in your masculine or more in your feminine, how do you shift that within yourself?
1: I talk a lot about this in Open Wide and I give like so many different suggestions and little tips and tricks that people can do. I'll give you a few now that people could start to do. Like if I know I'm really in my masculine, like Say I have been out working, just come from like a meeting with my accountant and my bookkeeper and then I get in my car and I'm in Sydney traffic and it's aggressive and people are beeping at me and honking at me and like rushing, trying to rush home to get dinner ready and, you know, then I get home and the lift is broken and I have to run up the stairs, you know, and I get to my door. And I feel really in my masculine, that energy, right? Very yang energy. What I'll do is I will immediately go and have a shower. That completely softens me. I'll get changed. I'll get in the shower. And then I may do like an essential oils massage, just like massage oil all over my body. And then I'll slip into something a bit more feminine. So maybe a flowy skirt or just a flowy top and tie my hair up and just step into more of that feminine energy. I might put on some of my favorite essential oils or something like that. That helps me get into my feminine. Some other things are like getting out into nature, diving in the ocean, taking my shoes off and feeling the sand under my feet, meditating, even just splashing my face with water, those sorts of things. And then if I am too in my feminine, And I'm about to walk into a business meeting and I need to kind of like, okay, step more into that masculine. Some things that I might do is like change what I'm wearing again. Like I might put on something that represents to me more masculine power energy. So like maybe it's a different type of skirt. Like it might be like a tight pencil skirt or blazer type jacket or something like that. That just to me represents that feeling of masculine energy. There might be an essential oil that, you know, is like a power oil for me and I might put that on. Just little things like that before I walk into that meeting. So, there are just a few things that I do that really help me. For my husband, he's really in his masculine. One of the things that softens him into his feminine is surfing. I mean, he surfs and just loves it so much. Meditating for him as well really helps him. And even doing some yoga really helps him get back into his feminine. So they're just a few things that we do.
0: Beautiful. In a relationship, when you have two people, do you find that it works well to have somebody who's carrying more masculine energy and somebody who's carrying more feminine energy, like in your traditional stereotypical relationship, the male would be more masculine, the female would be more feminine. Or are you really, are we really trying to evolve into both individuals in the couple having an equal amount of the masculine and feminine energy?
1: Such a good question. I personally, within my relationship, we thrive best when Nick is a bit more in his masculine, and I'm more in my feminine. Our household thrives better in that dynamic. I'm not saying that's right for everyone, but in our house, he is the captain of our ship. We love him being the captain of our ship. Like Leo and I are like, you're the best captain ever. We love you. Like, we want you to steer our ship. And then I steer the house ship. You know, I'm the goddess of the home. I'm the one that runs the home. I love that. I love being the goddess of the home. He steers our ship. And so that works for us. So I personally feel like, yes, you've got to be balanced within yourself. But he takes on more of that masculine role because he wants to and he loves to. I take on more of that feminine role because I love to and I want to. And this goes for same-sex relationships as well. You will notice in a same-sex relationship, there is someone who is more masculine and there was someone who is more feminine. It's the same. There has to be that yin and yang in the, the partnership.
0: I've also started to notice with a couple of our friends who are in amazing marriages as well that there are a couple that I can think of where the female is steering the ship. And it's interesting because it seems to work in their relationships. Like they're female. The moms are still steering the ship and the dad has found a role in that as well. And it's working. And I think we'll see more and more relationships that are shifting a little bit as we see more women in the sea level suite seats and, you know, pushing in their career as well. So I think there's lots of room for ebbs and flows, which is kind of cool that we're in that time now.
1: Absolutely. And I was just chatting with a friend yesterday and she was telling me about one of her friends who they're onto their second child and he is the stay-at-home dadder, and she is the doctor, that dynamic works for them, you know, and it's just like there's no rules. It's just what feels right for you and your partner in your home.
0: So cool! You've given us so many tools and tips and resources for people to apply to their own relationships. I'm going to really encourage everyone to get her two books, Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. They are incredible. Melissa also has some beautiful programs online and a free video masterclass for Open Wide. That's, as I said, free, which is really cool because you get to watch her and Nick just like sitting on a couch chatting about all of this stuff together. So I love that. You have that. We'll make sure that we link to it in our show notes. Melissa, if you had to leave one message to women of the world, what would it be?
1: Life is so precious and so sacred. And we have no idea how long we're going to be here for. We don't know. And so we really need to soak up every single moment. We need to show up as the best version of ourselves, the fullest version of ourselves, because we just don't know what's around the corner. So soak it up and enjoy every single moment. Cheers to that. Now, other than your books, where
0: can people connect with you online?
1: Well, definitely come and subscribe to my podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show. I love it so much. It's so much fun. I do Monday Motivations. And then on every Thursday, I interview experts from around the world. So make sure you subscribe to that. And then I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook. So come and check me out on Instagram. It's just Melissa Ambrosini. If you discovered me through this podcast, come and tell me what you learned from this episode. With Aaron. I would love to hear what you learned, your top three key takeaways. I read all of my messages, all my DMs, so please come and connect and I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for
0: being here today, Melissa. That is it for this episode. But be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single show. If you like this episode, please take a moment to leave a review, take a screenshot, and share it on social tagging at Raw Beauty Talks. We'll be regramming your posts every week. As we wrap things up, remember, your body is different than any other body out there. So as you listen to these episodes, keep tuning back inward to see what resonates with you. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Josta, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com listen or on your favorite podcast
1: platform.